What you heard is a small clip uploaded on October 7, 2019. It depicts protesters at the entrance of Quito in Ecuador. They are chanting El Pueblo Unido jamás será vencido, meaning the United People will never be defeated. Protests have sprung out in the capital, forcing President Lenin Marano to flee. The peaceful demonstrations were organized to protest the austerity measures backed by the International Monetary Fund. The IMF is a global institution that deploys neoliberal policies throughout the world in the form of structural readjustments. It has been 10 days since the initial demonstrations and the army has been deployed. Indigenous leaders have entered into negotiations. I speak to Freddie Griffa about the situation. He is a PhD candidate at UNC. He is from Ecuador. We share similar research interests and land-nature relationships as they relate to indigenous people. As you will learn, indigenous people have led mass resistance against the state, forcing three presidents to resign. Freddie speaks to the strategies indigenous people have used to endure colonialism, capitalism, and extractive resource development. This conversation reminds me that indigenous people have been on the front lines and will continue to be. Despite the existence of colonial borders, we should remain attentive to the struggles of other indigenous people around the world to learn strategies from and eventually with them. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. This is the Wish Day Podcast. Uh, thanks for the invitation. My name is Freddy Grefa from Ecuador. Uh, in Ecuador, um, we identify uh, ourselves as uh, nationalities, indigenous mm-hmm. people who have our ancestral origins. I belong to an indigenous group which is called the Quichua of the Ecuadorian Amazon. And... Uh, between our communities, we call ourselves as uh, Naporuna people. Could you just give us a brief um, summary of what's going on in Ecuador right now? Uh, well, uh, in Ecuador right now, there is a big uh, national uprising, uh, especially led by this uh, indigenous movement, what that we call in which different uh, uh, indigenous grassroots organizations and social uh, organizations and also the civil society are getting together and uh, try to to uh, claim or to the, to to say to the government so their measurements or their uh, decisions that are taking uh, are affecting the all the Ecuadorians. For example, uh, 
Uh, we are now in uh, seven days of uh, uh, national strikes in or Ecuador, and um, this uh, it is not mainly because of this uh, elimination of subsidies, but there is more more than that. There are uh, behind that there are other reasons that have been uh, being accumulated. What has been the historical role of that organization? Yes, uh, in Ecuador we have like uh, three big regional organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one is in the coast, one is a big organization in the highlands or the Andes, and one big organization also in the Amazon region, in the Ecuadorian Amazon. So each of these organizations are um, created as a big, uh, a big uh, parachute, which is called the CONAID, which, which is this uh, coordinator of uh, indigenous peoples of Ecuador, CONAIE. So, um, this has been a big process of uh, resistance being orga- organized in which uh, the demands of the people, mm-hmm. ordinary indigenous people from the communities are being translated to this uh, like nation, uh, national party or indigenous organization so they can in, uh, represent us uh, as uh, against the government, against the uh, international agencies in any other uh, I, I can say uh, bodies of uh, decision making as a representatives of uh, the bases we say the you know the communities and they they uh, they receive the, our mandate so they represent us so it's not like they just take the decision by by, the, by themselves there is a process of uh, coordination uh, across different levels uh, grassroots levels uh, second tier levels and then is uh, this there is this hierarchy, so um, uh, our uh, indigenous leaders they take the, the decision of the bases, right? Mm-hmm. So right now they are um, uh, discussing many 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 things. This uh, this is nothing new. This is a process that has uh, as it started has begun from the colonial period, mm-hmm. right? So uh, people uh, were able to. Uh, you know, these kind of strikes uh, to get, for example, um, uh, rights for indigenous peoples. They were able to, we, we for example, right, right now here, what I'm here is that the result of that, mm-hmm. because as indigenous uh, people in Ecuador, we were we were not considered as, as even though as a citizens, we just were like uh, aliens in, in, the, in our own lands. Mm-hmm. So this, we, there were a lot of discrimination. We were like considered less than a dog, uh, if you want to compare in that terms. So the in, indigenous people, after some uh, period of uh, receiving, you know, international uh, support alliances, uh, some of our leaders were able to understand to learn that you know our, our rights have to be respected. So they, they have created these uh, national coalitions, international coalitions, organizing themselves. So that's the whole, uh, this uh, organization was born, the Conaya. I think that's something that whenever I read about the reports, it always starts off with, these have started because of the IMF austerity measures. But, you know, that tends to offset, like, the amount of resistance that has occurred prior to it that were led by indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, um, there was this uh, a stereotype to say, no, the indigenous people in Ecuador, they are just 
reactionaries. No, it's not like that. We, our leaders, they receive the mandate of the communities. So decide in big assemblies so say, to say, uh, what we're going to do, we have these problems, right? Now, for example, this is the elimination of subsidies. So how we are going to be affected? So how the communities are going to affect it? But be because of that, uh, the government is trying to increase or, or, or the exploration for oil mm -hmm. in indigenous communities in the Amazon region. There are communities where there are still the oil industry is uh, is just planned to to enter to explore if there are oil if they they if they find oil to develop this whole industry also mining industry conservation programs. So. Uh, indigenous people are saying, no, please respect us, please uh, uh, consult with us this prior consent, right, uh, idea. So we are living, we are the owners of those lands. So you cannot just come to our lands and just say, this is, uh, we are going to extract oil for the benefits of uh, every Ecuadorians, but we our own uh, prior consent. So... Uh, what kind of uh, social impacts, cultural impacts, uh, uh, environmental impacts brings this kind of, uh, you know, uh, external or global uh, views of, uh, you know, uh, extracting resources, right, in, in our communities. So people are thinking like that. People say, let's give us the, uh, the opportunity to decide ourselves what to do in our communities. But there is a violence form of entering uh, by the government, with these agencies, uh, with these policies, without respecting our form of living, our form of thinking with nature. So in, in that way, uh, this uh, uh, what is happening right now in Ecuador is not just, uh, as I mentioned, just, okay, this is the because the government just eliminated subsidies. No, it's an accumulation of many things that are happening in, in our communities. One thing to really note, too, is that the organization leading has, from what I've read, has, has been predominantly like nonviolent, mm -hmm. whereas you take into account the encroachment of extractive industries into uh, the Amazon, mm -hmm. that, that tends to be produced by violence. Exactly. So they don't understand that this kind of uh, violence is is not it has not to be only material like you are hurt or you know someone is this uh, you know cultural violence violence you know bringing this Western or external ideas to our communities are trying to say okay this is the best for you you know you have to live in that way you have to be to be more in contact with the market. You have to think the forest, you know, as a marketable, you know. So it's, it crashes. It, it, uh, it is um, in form of confrontation with our views. So there is, a, there is nothing uh, easy to, for us, you know, because this uh, violates our, our form of thinking. So people don't understand also in that way. That's something that when I've read, like, for us, it's violence takes many different forms. It yes. could be physical. It also could be spiritual, cultural, economic. So that's very important to keep in mind. But also the fact that when you look at a lot of the footage that comes from what's happening in Ecuador right now, it's very mm -hmm. nonviolent. It's just people coming together. Yes, in Ecuador, for example, we are like now eight days in this big strike and 
Uh, yeah, something that is very interesting is that uh, women, the men, also their children, the elders, everyone, because it's these are, uh, you know, we call el pueblo, you know, just uh, general citizens, the people, you know, uh, working together, uh, you know, marching together, uh, going to Quito to express, you know, their opposition uh, in, in some way to the government, saying, okay, please, uh, realize that what you are doing is, is going to impact in our lives, in our communities. So this has been in some way non-violent non um, uh, manifestations, but, you know, uh, people are, uh, many of the strategies from the same government, or I don't know from where, that just gain, uh, participate into this march. And then some uh, try to, uh, uh, you know, to say, oh no, these marches are being violent, become violent because they are infiltrated people in mm -hmm. from, I don't know, very radical, I don't know, uh, uh, people or organizations, I don't know. So people are organizing themselves in this march. They call these um, indigenous uh, guards. So they are also saying if someone is, you know, behaving very badly, so they just say, no, you have to stop it. You are, or just expel this, this person from the group. So they are taking care of themselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those things are very important. Also, uh, if someone is behaving badly, and they use this what we call uh, indigenous justice. Okay. So for us, indigenous justice is to to create a balance, not just to to punish someone or to blame someone in the front of someone of the of the members, but to find a balance. To so say, okay, if you did something uh, bad. You just ask, uh, you know, sorry, we did this bad thing, uh, but uh, they, in some way, they punish. Uh, uh, like you have to clean the, you know, the the place where they are uh, sleeping. Yeah. Uh, they do a any kind of activity. So the idea is not to punish like uh, to to make them blame or to. Uh, so it's a, to create a, a balance uh -huh. between them. So that's the way that we think indigenous justice. When you mention that there is a sense of organization, mm -hmm. not only how they as a group and how they deal with you know oppression, but there's also kind of their own aspect, their internal exactly. discipline that mm -hmm. they maintain. And that, I think, is really important to keep in mind, especially when people will think that this is just a reactionary group that spontaneously people came mm -hmm. together but in reality it's coming it's organized but it's coming from a long history of organizing mm -hmm. you know so there's there's the konaye the kind of umbrella group mm -hmm. and there's also like a political wing and these are the people that go into the electoral politics can you talk about that as to like like one why they decided to go into like congress positions or like state positions but mm -hmm. also if you know anything about how they feel right now about what's going on in Ecuador. Mm -hmm. So the thing in Ecuador is that uh, uh, our ancestors, our, uh, I can say, grandparents, they used to, uh, they used many strategies, okay, mm -hmm. in order to exist, in order to survive. One of uh, indigenous uh, or people, sometimes ourselves, uh, Say that there are no, uh, there are some illogical uh, um, arrangements. Sometimes people 
uh, organize themselves and they just get create alliances with a radical organizations or from the left or also from the right. With the bankers, you see sometimes our, our leaders or communities talking with them. So there is this entangle, entangle, uh, you know, uh, associations, uh, uh, networks that sometimes is not easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, our leaders think also uh, because uh, the officially the population in Ecuador is about seven eight percent considered as in indigenous they identify as indigenous but um, uh, the majority of the population is considered mestizos or mixed but I think in that majority at least 70 or 80 percent are more more indigenous uh, side okay so there is this um, you know this this sympathy of, about this being indigenous so, uh, but in order to achieve uh, this, uh, you know, political um, presence in Ecuador, our leaders, they say, okay, we are going to uh, create our political uh, wing of uh, this national organization, which is called uh, Pachacutic. Yeah. Also, there are other indigenous organizations we call other indigenous other uh, political bodies too. Okay, so they are different, but the main one is uh, Pachacutic. Okay, so, but the Pachacutic is in some way different to the Conaye. Uh, Conaye is only main uh, 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 conformed by indigenous, uh, grassroots uh, indigenous peoples. But uh, this uh, uh, Pachacutic is a mix. They are, have different uh, social organizations also in this uh, umbrella, political umbrella. So sometimes um, there we have indigenous uh, uh, political representatives after uh, the winning the elections in some uh, 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 places and in other places there are some like uh, more colonos or mestizos uh, in the name of this uh, uh, Pachacutic uh, they are winning the, the elections and they are having leading this uh, you know uh, political uh, local political uh, uh, systems, but the thing is, uh, Pachacutic uh, in some way create different alliances too. With uh, as I mentioned, with the right, with the center, with the left. So, um, as uh, my understanding, my analysis is a form of uh, trying to uh, survive. It's a strategy that, in some way, they are coping. This is nothing new. I am. I am including. Uh, including this kind of uh, behavior in my research, which, which I call the Muntun. So the Muntun is like uh, in the society, uh, indigenous people are uh, living all together, and when, but the, the idea is that they are always linked to the past, to the memories, to defending their land, so they are working together. But when they try to face something that are, are bringing uh, harm, the bringing problems to, to the society or a community, in some way they assemblage. They assemblage different identities, right? So they can become like, become like a, uh, as I say, like, a, I don't know, maybe related as, a, for example, workers. They can be also related as environmentalist defenders. They can be politicians. 
they can be bankers, they can be anything. So this is different ideas that in some way assemblage. So it's what I call Muntum, it's those strategies that make us, the indigenous people are using to maintain their language, their culture. So it's not easy for outsiders to destroy this assemblage that is is in there in the in the in the in the society mm-hmm. and do you see that assemblage playing out currently yes right now we can see right uh, there is this assemblage also in the ecuadorian society that many different uh, people are being part of this now creating a like a, a, a you know assemblage this image of working together you know fighting uh, against this the government you know there is not a distinction of the you are indigenous, non-indigenous. Everyone is working together to to say we are here. We are expressing their claims. They are fighting for their rights. So there is no distinction if they are women, men, uh, elders, kids. Everyone are are together. So for me, seeing the images also, uh, as you mentioned before, there is this uh, connection with the past. Yeah, uh, with this con- uh, connection with the memories. People are saying that uh, we can die here, we can die, but uh, our anger, our uh, expression sometimes can be negative sometimes. But this will bring a a good future. That can become something positive for us. So right now in Ecuador we have about four people already, you know, who died in this um, uh, protest. that's why yesterday uh, in Ecuador, uh, in the place where they are meeting in Quito, in La Casa de la Cultura, there is a place where they call, a, you know, a place where it's reserved for people to organize, uh, so the police cannot uh, enter. Uh, they didn't have a, a, a like a march. They were just like resting, and they were having people, you know, uh, in, in in sorrow just to memor- have a memory of the people who uh, who were killed by in this protest uh, on 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 Tuesday yeah on Tuesday yeah. Uh, also on Thursday so right now uh, I don't know why what is going to happen but in Ecuador people are just tired and they don't want to just go home and they will say that the government has to eliminate you know the this the, this decree that he, he's just signed eliminating the subsidies mm-hmm. and they are saying that we, they are not going to negotiate if the government just take that away and also if the, you know this uh, um, people who are in charge of the police or charge of the military they have to resignate mm-hmm. also so if that happens they are going to talk but the lines behind is that the government, the president, also had to resignate. He has to go home. Yeah. And let the <laughs> that people, would be the fourth president. <laughs> yeah, and they have to they have to lead uh, the they have to lead the people decide or call for a new elections. Mm-hmm. So that's the, I don't know what's going to happen. More people from the Amazon travel last night, mm-hmm. and I am in conversations with this with my leaders and. They are asking, they are uh, saying what we are going to do. I just uh, let them to decide what is the best of the name of our, our people. Quick break to remind listeners that if you want to support the podcast, you can like, comment, and share the episode on social media. 
you'd help spread the podcast. I currently do not have a Patreon account, and I don't plan to get one, but linking and sharing helps out a lot. Thank you. So when it comes to the austerity measures that were imposed by the IMF, mm-hmm. um, that's a whole other conversation about colonial, neocolonialism mm-hmm. and colonialism. Um, how do indigenous like people, from your experience, or really, let me like, what is the negotiation between allowing for subsidies which come from extractive and like mm-hmm. extractive industries, mm-hmm. um, but also how those, you know, actually provide uh, a way for people to survive? Uh, do you see that this could be a potential where maybe indigenous people could kind of come together and maybe even push back or? Um, slow down or maybe even reverse some of the uh, policies of extraction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very interesting question because um, it cannot be explained as a one simple answer. Mm. Okay, so we have to to talk in terms of uh, the context of uh, local histories, uh, racialized histories in the Amazon, and also how people are being connected to the outside world. Um, the idea, the, uh, the, uh, the idealistic thing will be just everyone to reframe, uh, you know, oil uh, industries in, in our territories. That will be the most idealistic thing. But the truth is that um, uh, from 1960s, even though more before in the Amazon region, uh, some indigenous uh, communities were in some way uh, touched by the process of uh, oil extraction in, in the Amazon. And there are now other communities seeing those impacts of, uh, in, in those communities. They are ref, ref, uh, saying, okay, we don't want that kind of industry in our communities. So they accept in some way that, of course, we need uh, those resources to support the local economy the national economy, because more than 30%, almost 40% of the Ecuadorian revenue comes from oil. But they are saying, okay, uh, we had more than 40, maybe 50 years of oil ex- exploration, but uh, what we have seen is just misery. It gives us more uh, social and cultural, economic, environmental impacts in our communities. So how can we trust you mm-hmm. know, that those uh, industries are going to bring us, you know, some, you know, good future, uh, based in our uh, cosmovision, in our, in our thinking of uh, uh, thinking with nature. But uh, so those uh, struggles, internal struggles, and uh, internal pressure and external pressure can also be explained, as I mentioned before, with this concept of Muntun. So Muntun can be anyone, as I mentioned, can be. People can be just uh, uh, radical, uh, conservationist, right? Or maybe can be a mix of anything. So, because if we think that, uh, that's the problem, because in Ecuador, think uh, outsiders say, you are not indigenous because you are in favor of the oil industry. You are indigenous uh, uh, because you live in the forest. You are like, you know, nomads. This idea of the noble savage is people think are related always to that, so they are not uh, thinking that we have to decide ourselves what we are we want to be. Mm-hmm. So they are they don't have the 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 rights to say you have to be that way. 
So that's the thing that uh, I, uh, I think is very important to mention. So because uh, it is respect, because uh, as I mentioned that, indigenous people who are against oil industry, it's okay for us, but oil in communities, they are, are the inside, inside their communities, they have facing oil industry, so they cannot just say go away, but they have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. We have to deal with it. they have to say how we have that kind of industries and how can in some way uh, minimize or, or, or target uh, uh, to benefit our people. What you talked about just now really resonates with what's going on where I'm from, the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's difficult to just, uh, when you look at, when you try to analyze the connection between resources, resource extraction, and the benefits, mm-hmm. because there are benefits to coal, you know, that it provides some sort of revenue. Uh, but the people that are affected particularly mm-hmm. have it pretty bad. So there's that issue, and then there's like the entanglement of having to deal with, okay, we get rid of coal, which is a major source of our revenue. Well, how how are we going to support our people? You know, we're just going to become a little bit more uh, maybe reliant. And I'm still trying to work out the language mm-hmm. and how I would describe that, because I've heard people describe it as dependency, and it, 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 like dependency pathway theories. Mm-hmm. Those, those aspects, or pathways of dependency, whatever it may be. It's, I think, a little bit more complicated, like you said. Mm-hmm. The way that maybe indigeneity can be seen is that, you, ha- you know, that maybe you're discounted. You're not authentic indigenous if you actually support, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. extractivism. But the other aspect could be that you built your life on that and that you actually benefit and you're able to put your kids through college, which I think is a lot of work... Um, that is being done by a colleague of ours here, mm-hmm. Andrew, where he looks at coal and how it's actually become embedded in the identity and that they've actually supported mm-hmm. coal, yes. you know? So yeah, there's a lot to be, to make, to make out with, with what's going on there. And as well as here, um, granted, we don't really have the IMF on our back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just have a decline in the coal economy. Yes. Uh, I think in, in, in the Ecuadorian Amazon, Yes, there there is always this, uh, yeah, oh, okay, idealistic thing, the how to be an in, indigenous person, how to be an indigenous, you know, communities. So that's idealistic things comes from, essentially, I think, most from outsiders. Mm. Yeah, so the anthropologists and researchers say, okay, you should be like that. So, um, but internally, we have uh, this... Uh, predicaments, these conflicts, okay, uh, we need, uh, we have been exposed to the market. This is nothing new, but we want that the market do, that, uh, doesn't dominate to us, doesn't control us. So we have, we have in some way tried to find a balance, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think uh, in my research, uh, I am not able to do my people what, what to do, okay? So I give them the tools. So they can decide, right? So uh, I, I also I think we are learning on different tools. We are learning from our experiences from outside. Whole, but um, let us decide. We 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 can have our own. Um, 
we can be wrong, we can take the bad decision, but we have at least to learn from that. That's the, the message, that message that my indigenous leaders in Ecuador, they told us. We never, we were never able to go to a university or a school to understand what will be the best thing. We learn from our mistakes. We try, we explore, we listen, and because we are, we are very uh, practical, right? Taking decisions in the way, right? So it's difficult. We, we, I don't blame them, but um, that's why I think in form, our form to explain that is this concept that I am proposing here. It's, it's not my concept. It's, it's just uh, the strategies that I see is, is, is there, is this idea of Muntum, so that can explain mm -hmm. and give us opportunity to be any, any, anyone that we can be, just decide us what we want to be. So we're going to end it, but I wanted to ask you, what are ways that people could support the indigenous people in Ecuador right now? Uh, with these actual events, or, or um, I guess just in general. I mean, is is there are there maybe like an organization for people to donate? Um, you know, if they have money, or maybe even sharing stuff or learning more about it. What What do you think would be um, helpful? Uh, in two thousand one, I think two thousand one. No, in two thousand three. In two thousand three, I was participating at the UN Nations and the Conference on uh, Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. It was my first time participating at these large global uh, meetings. And uh, I see that uh, many people are, you know, negotiating in the name of, uh, of indigenous peoples, mm -hmm. right? So some of them are organizations, right? So they, they just take the name, say... But we don't know in our communities that they are negotiating in our names, so things like that. But I, uh, so I, 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 uh, I am not agree with that kind of, uh, you know, support. I think the support has to be that the own people has to speak by themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the other thing is that we have to create alliances, global alliances. I heard that my 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 grandparents they used to say that indigenous people before the conquest, right? They used to trade along the north and the south, Central South America, the North America that is called now is the Abya Yala. Indigenous people used to call us Abya Yala. Uh, so I think we have to go back to also that part to connect ourselves. Uh, some years ago, we tried we tried to do a, a connection with indigenous First Nations of uh, Canada. Mm -hmm. They travel to Ecuador and say, "Okay, give uh, the problem of oil of uh, in your communities is oil industries. Why don't we just work together and create oil, uh, you know, national indigenous oil uh, companies? Mm -hmm. So we work together. We make investment and yeah, the revenues stay there." So I think some way was a good alternative, but yeah, the the powerful groups they don't just want to be uh, make it easier for for people, indigenous people. They mm -hmm. want just to control everything. That's yeah. that's what we want to say. Yeah. So I think in some way we have to create more alliances um, to to say we are not different. We have uh, even though we have the. Uh, 
in some way the same struggles. What makes us similar is that we are connected with nature. We are brothers. We are sisters. We are, uh, you know, we are we are born in in this what we call mother earth. So in some way we are we are connected in that way. So I think we have to make more efforts to meet. Uh, to share our knowledge, our thinking. Maybe in the in the U.S., Native Americans have more uh, have been exposed more to to understand new concepts, to under to to create alternatives, understanding uh, I don't know of uh, the economies. So in, in Latin America, indigenous people are also proposing some decolonizing uh, concepts as the Buen Vivir, Suma Causay, now the Causay Sacha, the, uh, the idea of the Muntu. There are some concepts that in some way have to be also being connect in conversations. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that uh, I would like to emphasize, that we have to work together. Thank you for listening. If you are interested in supporting indigenous people in Ecuador, I've left a link you can donate to. All the donations will be given to Konaye to support their legal battles. I'm also currently working on another episode where I include clips from a talk about mind-forced movements. What you heard in this podcast episode will share similar insights with the one that will be coming out. Thank you. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day.